Welcome to the Choose Change Podcast. My name is Jeff Benavidez, sustainability expert and community advocate. Each episode, we feature change agents, industry experts, community leaders, and weekend warriors that are leaving a positive impact and a legacy. Thank you for joining us today. And now, let's work together to be the change we all want to see. Hey everyone, I want to thank you again for joining the Choose Change podcast, especially for those of you who have gone ahead and shared this conversation with someone else that you care about. It's incredible what sharing something so simple like conversation in words and interaction between two regular people can do to someone else's life. You're really going to enjoy today's episode with Frances Rivera with the Central Florida Fairgrounds. She works in operations and sponsorships for the organization, so you'll really get to learn the behind the scenes of that organization because the fair is actually more than just the fair. Uh, This is a year-round operation that goes on throughout the year. We talk about some of that, but we also talk about Fran and her specific path to get to where she is today. She has not been in nonprofit throughout her whole life, so the emergence into that field and how that passion for moving the community to a different level brought her to where she is today. Fran is all about the relationship building and moving towards that greater good, So our conversation really moves and takes that to the next level, talking about mentorship, using females and women in the workplace to be role models for the younger generations. We talk about her obsessions with Harry Potter and a whole bunch of other things going on uh, with her and around the community. So without further ado, we're going to jump right into the interview, and I hope that you enjoy it. Welcome Francis Rivera with the Central Florida Fair. main reason why I wanted to have you here was because I like your story and you've been inspiring to others in the community. Um, It's a little awkward just because I know you too well. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) it's a problem. I know. You've heard the story like backwards and forwards (laughs) and from like four different perspectives probably. I have, but I think it's it's still great because uh, one of my favorite things about you is that you're always looking on, on a new project. Yeah. You're always trying to do something new. It's whether exhausting. It's, it is exhausting. <laughs> and a lot of it, uh, it's funny, when you first got engaged with the Central Florida Fair, you know, all of us were like, oh man, she's working for the fairgrounds. I know. It's going to be... Even I was like, what are you doing, Fran? Like... <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> you go from Marriott front desk to right. learning about but hay. The yeah, exactly. Learning about hay and, and, and pine shavings and, and serving the horticulture community. It was, but it was so one eighty. But that wasn't the first because you used to work for Devro before. That was before of so Devro of Florida. That was before the Marriott, right? Devro kind of happened in between Marriott. Oh. Yeah, I started at Marriott when I first moved back to Florida, and it was actually um, my Josephine who got me the job there. At Devereaux? No, at, at, at um, the airport Marriott. And um, I was 19, had never lived on my own, right? So I come, I conquer, I get burned out. And when I was working at Starbucks, this woman from 
this crazy company I couldn't pronounce would come walk over to the hotel every day when we opened Starbucks at the hotel she would order this crazy caramel macchiato with a specific temperature degree <laughs> and you couldn't add sugar and it couldn't be um, uh, it had to be decaf or else she would flip out and this woman who I thought was like super scary and intimidating looked at me one day and she's like Francis would you like to come work for Devereaux? <coughs> And I was like, I don't know what that is. So she knew your name, but you didn't know her name. Yeah, no, I knew her name because I had a right oh, on right, the cup. Oh, right, of course. But, you know, she... Your she, relationship really didn't expand more than... No, it wasn't It wasn't more than just make my coffee, I gotta go. But she was always very nice. So when they when they kind of, like, recruited me, I was like, what, what do you guys do? What is a not-for-profit? I don't understand what you're asking me to do and why I should leave Starbucks. I work with coffee. They're, they couldn't get better than that. So they um, they lured me over, and um, I, after a while with Devro, it was funny. I could see the airport Marriott from my office window. That's funny. Yeah, so there would be certain um, days or weekends where I'd look over and I would see the WWE trailers, and then another weekend I'd see all the bikes parked in the parking lot, and I knew they were having their biker convention, and I started to miss it, so I went back. Hmm. Yeah, but I always kept my, I guess, my relationships with Devro because I grew to love what they did there, and what I did was so different. They created a position for me just so I can come over. So give me an idea. It's like what, uh, well, big picture, like what does Devro do? Devro is a nationwide not-for-profit that helps children and families. They have, I think, well, when I was working for them at the time, they had 12 centers in 12 different states, and Florida um, was one of the largest or maybe the largest that specialized in um, autistic children. Mm. And their campus for autism that served other mental health needs, but their focus was autism, it was down in Melbourne. So I would drive to Melbourne a lot, work heavily in Orlando, um, a lot in Pine Hills, actually. They have a really cool um, center in Pine Hills. So what I did was I worked under the umbrella of external affairs. So I did like the newsletters, tried to get them on Facebook. That didn't happen. I think it was still too new and still too <laughs> uncertain for a mental health not-for-profit right. to have a Facebook. Um, Hopefully now they have one. I think they do. <laughs> I think they do. Um, and then um, what else did I do? Oh, I helped them plan their annual golf tournament, which is their biggest fundraiser. It was just a bunch of anything that had to do with the outside community coming in right. and learning about. That's what I would have a hand in. Were you able to get involved with like the people they served at all or the families they served? Or was more um, on the back of the house? A little tricky because... So the one time I did go to the residential treatment center in Pine Hills... They were like, you can talk to the kids, but don't get too close because some of these kids have attachment issues. Mm -hmm. So it was very hard for me to get involved because I didn't know how to communicate with the kids. I didn't know enough about each of their backgrounds to engage further. Right. So there was a little bit of a boundary there. I can still go. I can still meet with kids. And I met a couple of parents when we did, um, when we built a playground with Kaboom. Mm Mm-hmm. So that was that was cool, but yeah, it was definitely more back of house. That's good though. At least the work that you did in the back of house would translate out to the community. Well, it my and maybe, my boss at Devro kind of shaped the way that I looked at working because she she was actually very um, 
organized, very list-oriented, very task-oriented, and I had never worked like that before. So in a lot of times, I would even butt heads with her, but only because I didn't understand what she wanted me to learn. Right. It was just get this job done. In my mind, it was let me just do this task that she wants me to do, and in her right. mind, she wanted to have learning moments. So I, I appreciated that after I left. That's, yeah. Yeah. It well, was, I guess that, I was that happens young. a lot. I was like 20, 20, turning 21. I was too young to appreciate what she was trying to instill in me, but I think about her a lot, especially as I'm making my list. I'm like, oh, Lindsay would be so proud. <laughs> yeah. Would you, with that organization, is that something that you would like to work on the front lines? I mean, or was that kind of the situation where it was too close for emotionally it was too close for you in order to by front lines you mean working with the kids yeah in order to do that you had to have some kind of certification Hmm. so but do you think you could have handled that emotionally i don't know so there was there was some kids um there were some families that that actually didn't have any mental health issues but um in Relating to the kids, they actually had um, family problems to where the kids were removed from the home. Parents would be genuinely working towards bettering their lives so they can have their kids back in the house. Um, I think that would have been more emotionally unsettling than just helping a kid who has a mental health issue. Mm -hmm. Because then at least you know what the problem is and there's a treatment plan for that. Mm -hmm. But when there's family issues, it's not just... um, these are the symptoms. This is how we deal with it. No, because it's so much. There's so much more involved emotionally, like you said. Right. So I think it takes a very special kind of person to deal with whatever side it is. If it's mental health or if it's just family issues, it, you have to have a strong personality to do the work that you need to do and not go home and be burned out. Yeah, that was one of the hardest things for me itself. Was the like I'm very I'm a very uh, nice and sensitive person (laughs) but to try to keep work in the front Mm -hmm. and not bring their issues home but that experience taught me a lot uh, about were you able to easily compartmentalize like this is work this is home i can unwind now i got a hang of it uh towards the end Mm -hmm. um, but i never really was able to detach just because of the lessons that i was learning from every family that i was helping Mm. so it was a good thing um, just okay. because I learned, I didn't. I didn't get that as much at Devereaux. I right. got more of the professional experience mm-hmm. than I got of the emotional mm-hmm. and personal. But yeah, it was something I'd never really had to work with before. So it was enlightening mm. to be on the front line and help. That's true. I guess I didn't folks. think about that. You would always work with buildings and structures and set rules and procedures. You never really. Yeah. Had to work with a family. I've always worked in a professional level. Yeah. With other building professionals and yeah. not at the residential Oh, I feel like level. a bad friend. I never even asked you how that impacted you. <laughs> well, it's been enlightening. I mean, like I said, it's been ever since I saw what the work that had to be done mm-hmm. and all these people that we can help, I never wanted to turn my back on them again after leaving there. So... And most of those homes were in the Pine Hills community or Paramore. Pine Hills, Paramore, and uh, Orange County. I mean, unincorporated areas of mm. Orange County are uh, very, um, they're not, they don't have a voice because they're unincorporated. 
So, um, and the, sad to think that those communities used to thrive in the 50s, 60s, 70s. They were mm-hmm. the Pine Hills was like the place to be. Yep. It was like a winter park. I think yeah, the saddest part was, or not the, I shouldn't say saddest, but the, the most frustrating piece of it was that uh, a lot of the people that I did help didn't live in those communities, but they were just regular people working their butts off mm-hmm. um, that have struggled financially. Mm-hmm. Um, or in some way mm-hmm. that led them to us and, you know, people with families just making poor decisions or having really bad things happen to them. Mm-hmm. Just a, a series of events that landed them in the places that we work. Uh, so, you know, just walking into a, a nicer home, mm-hmm. but seeing how bad their finances were yeah. or have been. So I'm sure for them in, in, there's a phrase, <clears throat> excuse me, that I learned in the Bible called luz en las tinieblas, which means you're like a light in the dark. So for a lot of people, you were probably that, that I, light in the dark. In their series of unfortunate events, you were able to provide something positive. Yeah, absolutely. And something so basic <clears throat> like air conditioning yeah. or a roof over their heads. Yeah. Like a lot of amenities that people who don't struggle as much take for granted. Yeah, we don't. We take it way too much for granted. And now seeing a lot of the people, even I think that the part that help that hurts me the most, and I think most people that uh, work in the nonprofit sector can agree with, mm-hmm. the people that you weren't able to help mm. is what you regret or think about the most. Because mm-hmm. what 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 are they doing now? Or like what? Yeah. If, if I wasn't able to help, or if you're not able to help, mm-hmm. you know, what, where they're going. Yeah. So it's something that, it's a balance as far as making an impact where you can make an impact and embracing those and trying not to get mm-hmm. too sidetracked with the folks that you can't help. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't help everybody. There's, can't help everyone. There's going to be someone else who's doing the same thing you're doing that's going to help the people you couldn't. So... That's the mentality that I take. If it's not me, it's someone else. This world is full of inherently good people. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, so uh, backing up to Devro. So you went to Devro. You did your time there. You mm-hmm. had a great experience. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then you went back to Marriott just mm-hmm. because you you missed the hospitality industry? Yeah, I did. I did. I had a, I had a moment of jealousy when, uh, when I would look out that office window. <laughs> What so, what was it that brought you back? Um, actually, it was a it was a sales role. Okay. That, that I went back to. to but was sell. there an emotional or psychological? Yeah, because I grew up at that hotel. How I saw it, the first two years that I moved back to Florida, that I was living on my own, that ho- the employees at that hotel really took care of me. There was a family that I barely knew. I didn't have a home yet. So they let me use their house address to get all of my mail, nice. <laughs> requests like birth certificates and social security cards because I left all that at my parents' house and mom was too busy to send it. Mm-hmm. Um, so people took me under their wing. <clears throat> I I didn't know this about myself, but what, apparently growing up, I never paid attention to like diet and how food makes me feel or if I don't eat, how that how I react to that. And I would get sick a lot working at the hotel because I would never notice that I wasn't eating because I was just working. Right. <clears throat> and I remember being at Starbucks one time. I literally passed out as someone is, is giving me their credit card to make a payment. Literally <laughs> fell on the floor 
And this woman who worked in the events um, department, Linda, she rushed over because she happened to be walking by the storefront as I fell. So she rushed over and I don't know how she she did this, but magically appeared a glass of orange juice that she made me drink and like oh, wow. other people came and they're like, you have to take care of yourself, Francis. What are you doing? And I was like <laughs> so out of it. I didn't even know what they were telling me. So, so many like just so many of those experiences where I was growing up and right. learning what it meant to be an independent adult, all of those experiences happened there. I um, fell in love. I fell out of love. I got promotions. I got, you know, in trouble. Like, all of those professional experiences and personal experiences happened within the walls of that hotel. That's great. So when I left... To go to Devereaux, I felt like I left home. <laughs> and when I went back to Marriott, I kind of felt like I was coming back with my tail between my legs. Like, <laughs> you were right. I wasn't ready to leave yet. Please take me back. And they did. And then, and then you know, just, again, learning so much more. I became a supervisor. Got a chance to know what it meant to make a schedule and have employees mad at you. And make a budget and have account accountants mad at you. And... <laughs> But I don't think you regretted leaving. <clears throat> regretted? No. No. It's always good to... Every every decision I've made, what in retrospect, whether it was a good or bad decision, I've learned something from. So I try not to regret too many things just for that reason. Because I'm an eternal optimist, right? So I want to try to find the good out of everything that I do rather than mm-hmm. focus on the negative. Because I can easily focus on the negative and then I'll be the unhappiest person in the world. I think we would all be. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's so true. So, um, the, then you got the opportunity with, uh, the fair that came out, uh, which was fun. And yeah. that was an interesting call that I, that we received. <laughs> I kind of sought that one out because as much as I love hospitality, I kind of wanted to do hospitality in a different way. Right. Um, I had in mind that I wanted to go work for the Marriott Foundation in Bethesda, but I didn't qualify because I didn't have enough not-for-profit experience. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, there are no hospitality companies that, that I know of at the time, um, to go work for, to still be in hospitality, but get the not-for-profit stuff under my belt. I don't know. My throat is doing weird things right now. My coffee. (laughs) um so i it was a conscious decision to go work for a not-for-profit so that i can get that experience under my belt just in case i end up in dc where i wanted to go right and and then since then just have learned a lot in terms of event planning how a not-for-profit status just is is a tax status it doesn't change the business model there's still revenue for sure you can make I, that's something that I learned recently. Um, so with everything that I've learned, I feel like Marriott is getting just a little further away from me again. And, and I'm okay with that for now. I, I, I think I will end up in hospitality eventually. You know what my five and ten year goals are, so. I know. Yeah. We'll get to those. Yeah. We'll get to those. Yeah. So the, I do want to talk briefly about the Central Florida Fair. Just because... It's so much fun. It is so much fun, but uh, we're going to do a mini-series. Okay. Uh, and do some focus on what they actually do in the community. 
other than just the once a year fair that yeah. people always just think about. So what should I say right now? So at the fair? just give me a brief description as to what the Central Florida Fair 501c3 is okay. and what it does. And uh, you know, I want to get into some of the stuff that you do mm-hmm. there and some of the impacts that you've had. The fair is one of those um, businesses that exist that people forget is there. And people have a few misconceptions about it. It's on a, it's in a, in a, close to Pine Hills. So we get associated with Pine Hills because it's literally two lights away, but we're really not Pine Hills. <laughs> um, and that's okay. I think Pine Hills is a great community to be associated with. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's got some challenges, but it's, it's going to get better. Mm-hmm. The fair um, has been there for over a hundred years. It's moved around Orlando, which some people don't know. It started out in downtown, and then it moved huh. to Pine Hills, or or to that area. And then, um, right the the way that that I look at the fairgrounds as a whole is kind of this homegrown. You want to talk about hashtag Orlando Maine? <laughs> it's the fair. It they um, celebrate. It started as a celebration of livestock, agriculture, right? Because right? Florida was... How many like, years have they been? 104. 104 years, which is yeah. one of the oldest institutions here in Central Florida. It is the oldest not-for-profit fair. <clears throat> nice. Yeah. So since 1910, and, and in 1910, they would celebrate things like who had the prettiest orange, you know? <laughs> and, but and they had some carnival rides, but it's definitely evolved from... Um, unfortunately, it's involved from um, this focus on livestock and agriculture and horticulture to more of a concert, festival, um, outside food and rides. And the, the, the educational part is still there as a way for students to uh, engage in extracurricular activities that they're not necessarily getting in school. You hear a lot about budget cuts and mm-hmm. certain programs being cut like the arts and food arts and sciences all of that stuff they can find it at the fairgrounds if if a kid really wanted to do it right um so that's one big part of the actual fair event every year is the educational component so kids can submit projects they can come um see a a livestock weigh in so all these you know tiny kids are walking in their five or six hundred dollar or five hundred um pound cow to get weighed for the fair and it's really a sight to see because these kids like really know how to handle their animals it's yeah it's nuts i can barely handle your dog ellie and i can't even imagine trying to handle a bessie you know so um it's really neat they're they're getting involved in some cool things and not all those kids live in um like the countryside some of those kids are right urban kids urban kids from the middle of the city of orlando so that's the the really cool enlightenment that i got um and then aside from the actual annual event the fairgrounds is an event facility so Mm -hmm. if you wanted to host a convention or if you wanted to plan an outdoor festival we would rent that facility out Mm -hmm. so throughout the year we have 150 events plus the fair And so we have something, at least, that means at least two events every weekend. Mm -hmm. And if there's nothing extra happening, then there's always the flea market. Right. Which which is a sight to see. Oh, yeah. It is a sight to see. And now that the Sanford flea market's gone, it's sad. Oh, well. (laughs) I'm sure something else will pop up in space. Yes. 
Um, so the one of the things that I wish, uh, I mean, I think that there's a big opportunity is what you were saying with the kids and engaging mm-hmm. the kids yeah. into some of the things that they would not see in the urban environment, which um, they're, I, you know, I wish there as a community and a culture, we've put agriculture as a blue collar and have labeled it as a blue collar job where for so many hundreds of years it was critical to every family yeah in pretty much all of civilization Mm -hmm. so i wish that and now you look at horticulture and some of the 4-h programs that are hosted there during the fair and it seems to have a lack of diversity mm-hmm. in the people that are involved, which is really sad because it should be all-encompassing. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, culturally, that's just what happened. But to your point, engaging some of these kids that are in urban environments to do some of these tasks, to actually do hard labor and to expose them to our food systems mm-hmm. and expose them to nature, mm-hmm. I wish that we could figure out a way as a community to get some of those kids out yeah, and doing the, more things. There's, um, th- I think the fair, and and I don't know much about the educational side, because um, it's so crazy. They, they go through so many applications and they have a lot of stuff to do, so I hardly try to get in their way. But from what I understand is they see what they see the shifts that are happening in the community, um, the farm to table, the fleet farming, um, you start seeing more people with chicken coops. So they see these shifts and I think they're trying to incorporate what the community is interested in and engaging in into those educational programs. So it's not something that's coming out of left field. Right. <clears throat> they're, they're, um, continuously molding the programs based on what people are interested in seeing right so that's something very i i I really appreciate that they're they're teaching the kids um a lot of very pertinent things it's not just learn this one time for a test kind of a thing and then they forget it they're they're learning how to um, not only do it for school but also how to continue it into their adult Mm -hmm. life do how do, do you know anything about the schools and how they uh, pick to see if they allow or they offer a 4-H program at school? Mm. My understanding is that the 4-H programs are um, separate chapters. If there's a school association, I think it's probably, um, how do I say, like um, an effect of so many kids at that school involved in the local chapter. But the local chapters are operating um separately from the school okay does that make sense yeah that makes sense it, i'm glad you explained that to me because i really didn't know much about it I, all I'm i knew i'm still learning a lot because like i said i hardly deal in the educational <laughs> side of it every time i try to go in there to help it's like what do you need get out of the way <laughs> and they don't mean it cruelly they, they, just, they just have so imagine last year they had something like 3,000 applications from students engaging in all of the different programs. So whether it's livestock or creative arts, Mm -hmm. they're dealing with that many pieces of paper. I would want someone to get out of my way too. Yeah, for sure. So um, I I know that the chapters operate independently of the school, but if there happens to be a lot of people, a lot of kids from that school participating in a local chapter, I think that's where you see more of the partnership between that school and the local Mm -hmm. chapter. And then um, FFA, 
is is really cool as well. They're the Future Farmers of America. Right. Um, and they're the kids who are really... And those are probably... you. There is a lack of diversity in that the kids involved in FFA, I think, have more of a family history in it. Right. But... I, Again, I feel like there's a shift happening. and There has to be. I mean, and you don't see very much of it yet, but it's there. It's definitely there. I meant... I, so, I'm going to um, put myself out there as a little bit ignorant and egotistical, but I'm going <laughs> to say it anyway. I met with this woman who's a small business owner in Orlando. She just moved down from Jacksonville. She grew up in Orlando, and she's an Indian woman, but... Americanized, like not no accent, no, nothing like that. She didn't grow up in India and come over. She grew right. up here. She's a Floridian and she has Indian roots. And she told me that she used to show livestock <laughs> at the fair. And I looked at her sideways. I'm like, are you sure? Because <laughs> there's that lack of diversity, and that's not a. It's not a. I don't. I don't mean it to sound negative. I just mean it to to sound pleasantly surprising. Yeah, it's realistic. That that people are are getting involved from all shapes and colors and walks, and it's really fun. Yeah, so, I think we have to, and I think yeah. the the push for uh, green schools and uh, engaging kids in the food systems, gardens, oh, yeah, yeah, it's there's such a huge opportunity. These are year long projects. They're not just doing this from January until the oh, end yeah. of the fair. They're doing it all They're year. They're cu- cultivating a lot of these things throughout yeah. the year just to show it off. Yeah, they for the fair, and and yeah, they grow. And then what's cool is the kids can bring their livestock and they can sell their livestock so they can sell their steer and half the time the people who are buying it will donate the money back to the student mm-hmm. um, to continue their project nice. and then they'll come back next year and do the same thing and sometimes the the buyers will actually take the livestock that they buy so nice. yeah i don't think they can sell it in um like they can't buy that steer and then sell meat to people in a store. I think they right. buy the steer and then they just bring it to their farm and have it for the family. Mm-hmm. So it's it's still cool that whatever money comes in, whether it's through the educational programs or the sponsorships that I get, is going to those educational programs. Because the kids, they win first, second, and first, um, third place in a project. That money comes out of the fair's pocket. Mm-hmm. So... Um, that's something else that people don't know is that we give those cash premiums out every year. Oh, nice. Yeah. And uh, you, you hit on something good that was like, you know, as you're seeking sponsorship for the fair, all of what we're talking about is what you're selling ultimately mm-hmm. rather than just a booth or a yeah. newsletter advertisement. I mean, you're selling the mission of the fair, right. which a lot of people don't uh, don't see. And there's a whole STEM component, too, yeah. that, uh, that we haven't talked much about. But that yeah, is, uh... STEM, STEM is a fairly new program. Um, it's, it's something that they have, they have had different components of STEM, but never organized it collectively into an, um, under an umbrella of STEM. Mm-hmm. And actually, this year, I think they're calling it STEAM, Science, Technology, arts. Engineering, Arts, and Math. Yeah, it's, it's really neat. I like that we're doing that and incorporating that in as part of it. Well, so much of art has math and science and chemistry it in it, so it, it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that's uh, been falling off of public school agenda because of yeah. budget cuts. So oh, yeah. it's really unfortunate that you know that our our kids can't experience that little keyboard class that we all used to go to. <laughs> Even though most 
ninety percent of the kids never pursue music, but it still uh, exposed you to that, mm-hmm. which yeah. is valuable. Yeah, the the kids, um, the year long projects that they're engaging in. Let's say, you know, you take an art class, and during the course of that art class, you the teacher hands out a flyer about submitting your artwork to the fair, so the kids will have the opportunity to pick what category they want to participate in. So art, you can do everything from cell phone photography, believe it or not, to um, to pottery, to um, sketching, um, pencil sketches, watercolors, um, acrylic paintings, uh, oil paintings, water... It, like, it, they break it down so <laughs> ridiculously. Things that you wouldn't even think about is a subcategory of the fair. <laughs> so it's, it's really neat. Um... And then as far as the STEM building, uh, they're they're uh, doing this Lego competition. They've done it every year I've been cool. at the fair. And they basically hand the kids um, one of those freezer bags full of Legos. And they say, build something. And sometimes they have the theme. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's individual. And sometimes it's group. But um, then they get the opportunity to win cash or prizes. Or I see a sponsorship on the horizon <laughs> from Legoland. Oh man, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> that would be cool. I would be fantastic because then you know you get a big corporation involved, or even just to get some of the builders out there to donate their time. Yes, that would be we, cool. They do training sessions or something. Yeah, their their new focus is on make and takes. So whatever you engage in at the fair, you can actually take with you so you don't forget that you did something at the fair other than get a stomach ache from cotton candy and then go on rides. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So they're, again, they're seeing the shift. They're trying to mold to the shift and and make it more enticing to to get the kids away from the rides for a few minutes to go look at the extra things. Mm Mm-hmm. So what's your uh, what's your favorite event of the year? Uh, other than the fair. Other than the fair. Okay, all right. Uh, Kink Music Festival. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> so, um, some of the major outdoor rock shows: um, Earth Day, Birthday. We have Funk Fest. That's always a lot of fun. This year we're we're doing Moonstone, which I'm really excited to see. But Kink Music It'll Festival nice. is my baby. Is our baby, I should say, but I just I, I associate and so from much, what I gather, so I mean, much towards it. I think you, like the way that I see it from seeing how you react to kink is, I think you like it most because of the people. Yeah. Not really, you know, what they're doing there, but well, just, all of it. I mean, I mean, you like it, but just the yeah. the people that you get to meet are pretty cool. So I'll tell you, um, in all of my professional experiences, Marriott, Devereaux, Fairgrounds. <clears throat> There is no one more hilarious and cool and bad than a biker guy <laughs> with a long beard and some killer tattoos. Um, and <laughs> um, good stories, good heads on their shoulders, such a fierce sense of friendship and loyalty. It's unnerving. It almost makes me feel like a bad friend. Um, the way these guys take care of each other and, and women. Um, and then just a complete appreciation, but disregard for rules, mm-hmm. you know, so some of them are just like, 
oh, you wanted me to submit this form before kink? Well, right. I'm submitting it now, and then I'm going to go set up. <laughs> Take and it or I, leave it. I'm just like, you know what? You go set up. I'll come get the form later. <laughs> how do you How do you react to something exactly. like that? They're awesome people. Just And then um, so the vendors are cool. The people who come to kink are so laid back. Even the bands that we bring um, for kink, they don't just stay in their trailers or in their green rooms. They actually hang out. They go get a burger. They go get tattoos before they go on stage. Nice. Yeah. Um, they're there engaging in it. Be- they're being there. They're not just working. So Kink stands for Custom Ink and Cars. It started as a celebration of everything people consider ta- taboo. Mm-hmm. So um, inked girls, um, uh, custom cars, tattoos, Rock music that probably Pierce, give you huge uh, piercing community. Huge piercing community. Uh, Metamorphosis Suspension Group has been a sponsor every year of Kink, and they're awesome. They're That's like really cool. Fifteen or twenty men and women who have these crazy gauges in their ears and crazy tattoos and hair, and they'll just they'll rope off twenty by twenty feet, start piercing each other, and then lift each other from the floor by ropes. I mean, how much cooler? <laughs> can you get i don't know it's crazy i kind of want my best friend to be someone who hangs from a rope by their skin <laughs> so yeah they're, they're they have just this really awesome sense for doing different things and finding a way to meditate yeah outside of what they're doing is how i've been how someone explained it to me mm-hmm. is almost like an out-of-body experience where you absolutely mentally learn how to control the pain of it mm-hmm. uh, it's just it's something that's beyond me yeah that's takes some serious focus and control yeah so definitely kink it while it drives me nuts in the planning process the the day of kink there nothing if if everything goes wrong i would still be happy because i love that show mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and, and I don't regret a minute of it. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, I do want to focus on a little bit of some of the highlights that you've done with the fair. I mean, some pretty serious impacts that you've done mm-hmm. while being there um, as the quasi-sponsorship, quasi-assistant <laughs> operations manager, quasi-marketing, marketing, quasi-networking uh, quasi guru. Go get coffee and file this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so you, do, you wear a lot of hats, but you've done... Some serious impact uh, with the fair. Um, what what are some of the things like some of the main things that you've been proud of there? Um, is this the part where I'm allowed to toot my horn a little bit? You can toot your horn all oh, you want. No, I'm not easy. It's not easy. Um, so something that I the first thing that comes to mind obviously is um, kink. I just finished talking about it, but from the first year to the second year, across the board. The team and I were able to increase vendors, um, attendance, um, sponsorships by 50%. Nice. And we're talking about a fledgling show. Right. How um, long had it been there? Or has it been? We, we The first year we played Kink was 2014. Oh, okay. So that was the first show. Yeah. First ever inaugural Kink Music Festival was um, November 2014. I don't remember the date. And then um, the second year was again in November, and we, man, it was a struggle because we knocked it out of the park the first year, and, you know, like, as they say in the music industry, the sophomore album is always the hardest to kind of make sure that you stay on top of the game, and 
excuse me, that's what we experienced was making sure that our second year was just as good or better than right. the first year, and we did it. We did it so much so that we got a phone call asking if we wanted to take Kink on the road. Nice. And the president and the director of marketing were like, no, this is this is an Orlando-made show. Make people come here. Make people come Because you get here. a lot of people, it's nationwide, a lot of people that come in. Yeah, especially well, with the, vendors. the tattoo vendors. Yeah. The, some of these tattoo vendors are actually convention tattooers, so mm -hmm. they don't have a brick-and-mortar shop. They literally just this travel. This is what they live off of. Yeah. Um, so I think the furthest traveling person I had was from the UK. Nice. Last year. They came on board um, with another tattoo shop that's out of the East Coast. Cool. Yeah, um, I don't remember the name of the shop, but if, if I had my paperwork, I could look it up. No. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, UK, California, New York, um, Georgia, they come from everywhere, and, and some of the most humble people. We mm -hmm. even had um, Ink Master contestants on there. Yeah. Um, the first year, I was really excited to get five Kink Master kink master ink masters <laughs> on uh onto the tattoo expo and then last year we had three and then um they brought some of their ink master friends so that was really neat mm -hmm. um but yeah that's that's one thing that i'm really proud of having accomplished at kink and and it was a it was a organization success and uh as a result of this year you got your first tattoo oh my god I did. <laughs> how was that experience i uh, mean hysterical ta that was taboo for you for a while right well no or at I've least always, for your family i've always liked the idea of tattoos my family they're pretty um progressive they're they're modern my christian family some of them have tattoos they they think of it as a way to talk about a lot of the tattoos are religious so they, right. they think about it as like a way to Kind of like a open the conversation. Like, what is John three sixteen? Well, right. my friend, let me tell you. You know, that's how they. Well, I even met your it. close family, like with Nick. So Nick has always been against tattoos. Not against. <laughs> I just think he's hesitant to do it. He he has said it a million times. He doesn't know what he would want on his body for long enough. Right. Plus, I think his mom would disown him. <laughs> So, yeah, and then we had another friend whose mom would disown her. She got a tattoo, and she got one in a pretty scandalous location, so... <laughs> so funny. So we won't name names. <laughs> so, uh, you yeah. ended up getting uh, got, something that's near and dear to your heart. So, you know how, how people grew up and loved Star Wars, right? That's how Harry Potter is for me. <laughs> um, I started reading Harry Potter before I was 10, so my little tattoo on my wrist is of the three stars that are on each page of the Harry Potter books. And I did that because I can do my three stars and not be an obvious Harry Potter fan, but, you know, if people ask, then I'll tell them. I just didn't want to get the lightning bolt and glasses yeah. or... Do you know if there's a meeting behind those three, three stars? Like, the, why she did that? Um... Wow, that's a good question. I have no clue. I know I'd that. Be curious. I know that a big thing in the Harry Potter books is the um, idea of three. Right. So the the three most powerful wizards, the three best friends, um, the three Deathly Hallows, the strongest um, items in the books. So I, I I don't know if the three stars have a meaning other than the. It idea might be of just three. that, but yeah. that's a uh, that's pretty cool. Anyway. I'm gonna have I didn't to know anything it. about that. I'm going to have to Google it. But yeah, I got my first tattoo from a, a guy who has a long gray beard, wears <laughs> cowboy boots and a cowboy hat, and yeah. work, works at a ta local tattoo shop. 
you just have the full immersive experience. And he was so nice about it. He's like, did you eat? Because if you didn't eat, you might feel a little queasy. And I'm like, just do it, Jack. Just do the damn tattoo. (laughs) Yeah, and it hurt. The wrist hurts. It's a sensitive area, especially underneath there. It is, but it was awesome. I did it um, before the, um, the, the... photo shoot for the um miss inked orlando contestants cool so it was a lot of fun very cool yeah uh so the the other thing i think that you've uh, been in most uh, that's been most valuable to you professionally with the fair is that you've been able to get yourself out there yeah. in the networking community and meet a whole lot of cool people yeah the off the office environment that I work in right now is really flexible. My boss is totally cool about networking events, chamber events, um, even social events that I tell him I'm gonna turn into a networking event. Um, he, he laughs at me for that because he says I never turn it off, I'm always working. <laughs> so were you part of the Hispanic Chamber before or no? No, my, my involvement with the Hispanic Chamber is a result of the fair signing up for membership as well as MBA, which is um, Orlando's LGBT Chamber. And then Orlando Inc., Orlando Regional Chamber of Commerce. Mm -hmm. And through my networkings in those three chambers, as well as some independent networking events, I have met so many influential people. It's mind-boggling. And it has been really valuable in terms of um, learning what people are doing in the community learning what are the resources to find, like if I don't have some information, knowing what local online resources I could use to find what I need. I I didn't know about these Orlando bloggers until I started working at the fair. There's there's a lot of really influential bloggers out there that are super down to earth and willing to talk. They they just Mm -hmm. love talking and meeting people the way that I do. so it, it has been really a cool experience, not only for me on a personal level, but on a professional level to be able to tell people, I work at the fairgrounds, I help plan events, come to the fair, and actually people get excited, which is really <laughs> it was very different from when I first started, but now people, especially this year, are really excited about the 2016 fair, and, and people that have allowed me to become close to them and build that relationship and sort of... Um, center of trust between us to where they know that um, I'm going to be honest and blunt about what's going on. I'm going to be super transparent and then that helps them to get excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the one of the things that I've uh, seen, you've been involved a lot with Orlando Inc. Um, and getting that community. Um, I mean, what are some of the, the, the benefits that you've seen to get to getting involved with some of these folks. With the chambers? Mm-hmm. It's interesting that um, a lot of the times when you go to any networking event, chamber or otherwise, people are there to sell you things. Mm-hmm. They want you to learn about their product, love their product, and buy their product. What the chambers focus on is relationship building more than selling. And that's where the benefit lies. Mm-hmm. Because... I can't just walk into a room full of strangers and say, be a sponsor at the fair in Pine Hills for your product. People will just have automatically a, a negative association right. with everything that comes out of my mouth. Yeah, exactly. Um, but <laughs> when you can build relationships 
and let people learn about the organization that you work for and let them learn to um, relate to you, find common ground with you and ultimately like you, then they're more willing to listen to what you have to say and more willing to dive deeper in their understanding of what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and therein lies the benefit. It's the reason why I wanted to get involved with the chambers is to bring awareness to the fairgrounds so that people associate the fairgrounds as the locals play area. Mm-hmm. You know, it's your local convention center. It's your local fairgrounds. It's, it's all for the Orlando community. And that's more than anything, more than getting a sponsorship, more than actually going to the events. I just want you to know about it because mm-hmm. eventually we're going to have something you want to go to. Right. So, and then if you have questions, who are you going to call? You're going to call Fran at the fair and, <laughs> and figure out, well, what's up with this guitar show? Coin show? What the heck is that? Like, the new mysticist? Yeah. The, <laughs> um, hamcation. A lot of people didn't know a ham, what a ham radio was, and we have two weeks of people come from all over the country for hamcation, and they literally sit in their trailers and talk to each other instead of face to face on their ham radios. It's fantastic. <clears throat> we we have so many kinds of events, and eventually I'm gonna hit a nerve. And when people hear something that piques their interest, they're gonna want to know know right. more. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the biggest benefit that I've seen is just building awareness. Yeah, for sure. Did I ever tell <laughs> you that I uh, Jose uh, from the chamber was, did a Pachakusha talk? Oh no. Yeah. Did I, have I told you about Pachakusha? Yes. I think so. Yes. I haven't been able to make it because every I know. time it comes... It was the night before your wedding. Oh, was or, it? Or the night... Yeah, so it was that Friday night. Oh. That we went. And that was the oh, one Jose okay. was at. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. It, you have to go to the next one. So you... Did he? Did you get a chance to chat with him? No, because there was... Uh, it was late. Uh, oh. it, I think it ended at like 11.30. So... Uh, I didn't get a chance to say hi to him. Great, great person. Really good liaison at the chamber. And and obviously has had a much more um, higher influence in Orlando than I have, but a good person to know in mm-hmm. terms of what's going on and how you should feel about it. <laughs> it's funny story. Uh, I met him once uh, for self when I joined self because mm-hmm. uh, Chris Castro had put us in touch mm-hmm. just so that you know, he'd be aware of what the program offered to uh, the community. But it was funny because we were talking and something, somehow it came up because he used to serve on the national board for NPR. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a huge NPR fan. So I, I'm like, you know, it was really honored to meet you. And uh, at somehow I forgot how it got in the conversation, but he's like, you know, you're, uh, you've got, you've got a good radio voice. <laughs> And hearing it from him, I'm like, and I, it wasn't the first time I heard that because I've, I've heard that from a lot of different people. Oh, is that why you do radio voice sometimes <laughs> when we come over for dinner? Maybe. Okay, I'm just checking. But uh, the after hearing it from him, I'm like, man, I should do something, and that was one of the incentives to do this podcast. Jose Fajardo telling you well, you have a radio. Because I had someone that was a legit radio host. <laughs> Telling me that I have a good you, radio voice. You should be sure to call and tell him that. I will. Bring him on your show. I will. On your podcast. I will, because he was a, a catalyst to that. Oh, snap. Someone needs to tell him. <laughs> you know, it no. was interesting. I listened to something the other day. 
um, I can't remember where we were, but it was just really interesting how the world works as far as motivating someone else to do something or changing mm-hmm. someone's life in the smallest of ways mm-hmm. that something so small like a comment like that mm-hmm. could spark a whole new paradigm in mm-hmm. the universe Yeah, that you never, as a person, telling someone a compliment or giving them something that you didn't need or donating, you know, some food to them. You, mm-hmm. you would never think that how important that is. Yeah. But it but it's so hard for us to ever track because the the speaker that was talking was saying that the people that are affected never go back and say thanks. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. To that one person that affected you in mm-hmm. that way. And you know, moral of the, the 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 speaking engagement was we need to figure out a way to say thanks more and mm-hmm. recognize people more so that we have more good things like that happen. I think I think that people who drop those comments or do those good things don't do it for they, the recognition. They don't, and they don't even so, realize that they're doing right. it. Right, and and so I think that if you were to go back and say thank you to someone who essentially changed your perspective or your journey or your life in some way, that in and of itself is going to create a new paradigm because then that person is going to be fulfilled and who knows if you going back and saying thank you for doing this for me will spark something new in them so you'll never be able to track it yeah it's so true there's a video that i saw on facebook that it was um uh a guy who did a good deed for someone who did a good deed for someone else who did a good deed for someone else who Mm -hmm. Um, the last person affected was walking by the house of the original do-gooder that was on fire and ended up saving that family. So kind of the the whole idea of how your one good deed will come back to you. Right. You know, so you're you're talking, and I thought of that video. It kind of sparked, sparked that memory. Yeah, that's of, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So uh, so back to you. Um, I want to see, or what, I wanted to hear what your what your goals are for the community and what you're looking to do now that you're so powerful in your no, in your role. No, please. You're a mover and shaker. No, what what I have learned more than anything is how important it is to um, be kind, to genuinely learn about people and and find common ground. Um, I love Orlando so much. I have done a lot in this city, everything from hospitality to mental health not-for-profit to the events side of not-for-profit and then still coupling that with hospitality. It, in, in my little circle of experience, um, I've just, I've met enough people to where um, I feel like I have a good pulse in the community. and. And there are still some folks out there that I would like to be introduced to. Everyone who's getting involved with the homelessness efforts. Everyone right. who's getting involved with military veterans. Because that's something that's near and dear to me. What I haven't seen and I want to see more of is a focus on getting young girls ready for um, professional work. Mm-hmm. That's something I didn't have growing up and I think is really important. Because I think Marriott would have been less of a trauma if I had some 
like professional insight. Right. And there's got to be resources out there that I didn't know about, but I just want to I want to see it highlighted. Um, I want to see a focus on getting youth who um, were never adopted transitioned out of the state system and into normal life mm-hmm. or some semblance of a normal life and an easy transition. Um, I learned recently that in the first five years of a kid aging out of the foster care system, they become homeless. And and what better way to impact homelessness than to stop it from the beginning right? and to stop it in young people who can move this country forward, I think is a really... A really important initiative that someone needs and someone's out there doing it I can't be the first person to have thought of it but I want to see it highlighted mm-hmm. and I want to get involved and one of the things that I want to start to get there is a bed and breakfast it sounds super small but my idea being that if I can in some way have an inventory of rooms to provide people that are coming to my city that I love so much telling them about this city then, you know, putting some of that revenue aside to be able to offer a kid aging out of foster care a room for a month to get situated and get him Mm -hmm. the right, get that person the right job and resources and financial knowledge to be able to get back out on their own and be successful. Mm -hmm. So that's like the... 20 year goal and maybe hopefully by the time I can afford to do it, I won't (laughs) need to do it anymore. That would be fantastic, but... I have, because of Devro and um, be- between knowing how the foster care system works and now having so much knowledge about the city, there's got to be a way to combine the things that need a boost in the community with the things that are thriving. And how do you bring that together in order to move the community forward? Yeah, absolutely. Before... You know, D- Disney is a is a great influence on Orlando. Some people won't agree, but I'm a big Disney fan. Um, it, but that was the only identity that we had. Right. Now, with sports being such a big thing in in the city and and initiatives, um, important initiatives that are getting highlighted, there is this. Um, kind of, I keep saying it, I feel like the theme of the day is a shift in thought. There is. In, in terms of an identity for the city it, of Orlando. It really is. And th- I keep I keep saying everyone, at least everyone in my communities that I work yeah. in, like 2016 is going to be the year. Because it's a good year. for a lot of different reasons, like you just mentioned, like Visit Orlando, who's the primary marketing source, yeah. you know, external marketing for this community, has real dollars in highlighting the other orlando which we've always always talked about about, we all call it the other and the fairgrounds is part of the other other orlando so there's even (laughs) a subcategory below that um there's there's too many good things going on to not um affect the other things that need help is my point so the people at the top are really starting to reach down and pull people up with them right and and um, I I, I want to see I want to see more. I'm thirsty mm-hmm. for more. There's some things that have gotten really good momentum. What's next? Right is what I want to know. And and you know hopefully my little bed and breakfast with my big dreams of housing foster care kids who are aging out will will eventually be the boost that's that's right. keeping it all together. So well, you mentioned one thing that I wanted to talk about because uh, I think it's uh, hugely important is the 
young women. Yeah. And uh, I was just at a conference in DC, uh, the Green Build Conference in November. Mm-hmm. And uh, this conference uh, has grown in diversity throughout the years, but at the beginning it was very male heavy because mm-hmm. it was architects, designers, yeah. engineers, construction professionals. You see that. Um, yeah. So it's the, the building trades industry and it's very male dominant. Um, and in now that sustainability management as a program and as a philosophy, a lot of companies are adopting those. By and large, those people are women that are mm-hmm. doing a lot of that on the ground work. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a Women in Green um, summit that was going on one of the mornings, who was led up by Marge Anderson, who's the national chair of that uh, of the USGBC. She's such a great lady, mm-hmm. um, but she talked about i didn't attend it because it was only open to winded <laughs> women obviously and they did it on purpose ladies only ladies only Sorry, Jeff. but it was they brought up all of these inspirational ladies mm-hmm. um from the industry and mm-hmm. from just society and they had some big celebrities there um but just the mission and the the resonating factor that came out that kind of resonated with what you were just saying is mentorship yeah. How critical that needs to be in this next phase. Now that women are working their way to the same level of professionalism in their in like in a career standpoint, mm-hmm. um, you know, where CEOs are, are, you're seeing more and more women CEOs. Yeah. The women need to, those women that had worked so hard have to come back and mentor new women it's so important for a made woman <laughs> to come back i say it with a grain of salt because yeah. back you know 20 years ago a made woman meant that you were married and took care of the right. home <laughs> but a made woman in terms of you don't have to be a a, a lady ceo you yeah. you can you can just be someone like me who's satisfied with what they're doing and and you know, optimistic about the future to come back and mentor. Um, for me, it I didn't have it growing up. I had I had my mom who was an excellent role model in terms of providing for your family and making sacrifices, um, and and kicking butt. And then I had an aunt who, at the time that she was brought onto her position, was only one of two. Latin women who was the head of medicine at their respective hospitals in uh-huh. the country. One of two women, wow. and both of them were Latin, by the way. Um, people like that, moms who sacrifice, women who kick butt and take names, and then women who aren't necessarily on that level, but getting there. Mm-hmm. All of those three need to come back and mentor girls. I, I didn't... I had a good support system growing up, but by and large, I had to figure it out on my own yeah. because I was out of state. I, I was I didn't move from one city to the next. I'm I, my dad in New Jersey, my mom in North Carolina, and I moved to Florida, and I was just wide eyed. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was doing, and I feel like if I had um, access to somebody just to kind of guide me through even personal things. Yeah. I was the kind of girl that if my parents got mad at me, I went and did exactly what they mm-hmm. would, didn't want me to do. And that's not good. It's, it's not good. And I, I want to stop girls from doing that kind of a thing. I want to help them, you know, be professionals before they even enter the workforce. Right. 
it was an interesting stat that uh, that they had done in the highlights that mm-hmm. they had done some research and that it was X percent more common for men to have role models amongst men mm-hmm. rather than women having role models amongst men. And one of the reasons, and I wanted to get your opinion on, was that men or that I'm sorry that women are too competitive with each other. And um, th- one of the things was we have to break down our differences. And stop competing with one another women and we have to unite and help each other. I think that <laughs> there is this idea that that we are catty towards each other. And I hate that. Absolutely hate it. I think that you're correct in that there is a sense of competitive... Uh, there's a competitive nature between women. But the women who are competitive against women in a demeaning way are immature and Mm -hmm. those are the women that you don't want to learn from true i but we have a lot of those oh but then you know you gotta you gotta be savvy enough to filter through it Mm -hmm. you know and because those are the ones that are outspoken well and and uh, and that's an unfortunate truth i'll tell you what if i'm sitting in a room full of women i am not gonna slouch you know (laughs) and i'm gonna cross my ankles not my legs (laughs) like you're supposed to and i will not have my elbows on the table just so no one can say anything about my posture and etiquette but i still don't think that um we should be competitive in the sense of you know mean mugging or giving like a super nasty eye to one another or talking about each other's clothes or our hair i think it's so immature unnecessary and irrelevant Mm -hmm. we have to uplift each other and and girls girls will will take in what they see guys alike but you know women will young girls are are so easily influenced and and I just I wanted so I, I like I said before I'm sure someone is doing it I just want to see it highlighted. Yeah, I mean, and it was funny because Michelle and I were talking about you know uh, what her next chapter looks like, mm-hmm. and mentorship came up, mm-hmm. and you know we mentioned the Boys and Girls Club, and that's been around for years, and the Boys and Girls Club is supposed to do that, or Big Brothers Big Sisters is supposed to do that, but I don't know how effective it is like working um i know from big you know big brothers big sisters that that was a high schooler going to an elementary schooler Mm -hmm. or a high schooler going to a middle schooler but after you're done in high school and Mm -hmm. filled out your volunteer hours you're done with big brothers and big sisters Mm -hmm. how do we get that going more for the professional community which would be nice you know my one of my best friends josephine she said it she she wanted to talk to um I went to Colonial High School. I graduated in 2005, 05. Um, <laughs> we, we were talking about it, God, maybe like two years ago or a year ago, how she wanted to get a panel together from some of the 05 uh, alumni and go talk to the kids who are there now. Yeah. And I was like, what? We're, who are we to talk to these up-and-coming kids, please? And she goes, she, she lists where she works. I won't give her away what I do, another friend of ours who became a doctor, a friend of ours who became a pharmacist, a friend of ours who became a civil engineer, two friends of ours that are lawyers, we're a damn good panel. Yeah, you're a damn good panel, and I think the mission, or the the message should be the journey, not the destination. Right. 
but the journey because the, if it, you were in high get, school, how to get the right foot out? Right. Like, did you ever struggle. envision you'd be where you are today in high school? Oh no. So it's like I mean all these high schoolers are out there just so nervous yeah. what they're going to do that well, a lot of times they don't do anything. Well, for the longest time, I wanted to be a doctor until I found out I was bad at chemistry and <laughs> biology. And then I was wide-eyed the rest of my high school career. Like, what do I do if it's not medicine? I don't know what to do with my life. And I never really had someone help me figure it out. Mm-hmm. There's a gentleman out there and I, I sent him an email. He, um, he offers counseling services for kids okay or teenagers i should say it's a kind of like kind of like those personality tests that help Mm -hmm. you figure out what industry you would be good to work for but he takes it a step further by um offering the resources to connect with someone in that industry so not just hey jeff benavidez you're gonna be um a great entertainer one day and then just walk away, <laughs> drop the mic and leave the stage right. and leaving you like, what does that mean? Well, he connects people, he connects students with the people that'll help them figure out what right, that to means. Right, to see if that's even a good... Uh-huh. Do you remember what you got on that test? I, I do. I, I don't remember. I remember the other one, um, not, the, not necessarily what job I would be good at, but what my personality type is. And I'm actually an introvert. Interesting. Yeah. Big time introvert. I... I get my energy from other people. Uh-huh. So if I'm in an environment where I'm left alone for 10 hours, I will clean, I will read, I will drink, and I will be super happy. I won't in any moment <laughs> feel lonely. <laughs> but put me in a room full of people who are happy and talking and right. all of that, and I'm going to be the same way. Um, unless it's a room full of women, and then I'm worried about my posture. Right. So. <laughs> well, I got, on that test, I got that I was going to be in agriculture. Oh, well, you do, you're green. You're a green person. I'm a green guy, but I have the blackest thumb. <laughs> but I was like, how did I get agriculture? Well, agriculture is not necessarily plants. <laughs> Maybe you True. should buy a chicken. Maybe I should. <laughs> and give me all the eggs. And then, uh, I'm actually, well, I'm introverted too on the personality tests. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people think I'm analytical, but I'm not. So I don't think you are. Yeah, a lot of well, because in the professional, like you haven't seen me in those professional settings. Well, no, no. When I'm talking engineering and all well, those technical things. Well, when I see your things. name on LinkedIn and it has comma a million abbreviations, <laughs> I know you're good at what you do. But a lot of people think that you know I'm technical and analytical, and my my uh, emergenetics profile is like all social and. Uh, and what's the other one? It's the yellow. Anyway, it's the it's the opposite of the analytical. Okay. So it's interesting. I don't remember. I, I almost want to take that test and then update you. Yeah, it's a good... <laughs> on the career test. Yeah. What, but uh, what going... should I be? I don't know. <laughs> going back to that, I think, you, I think you should do that. You should start something like that. What? Which but one? Going back to the high schools uh, and doing something. I think it would be fantastic. It would be awesome. And then it, by extension, helping those kids who don't necessarily have a, a home life, a home support system. And then the, the umbrella being supporting that um that program by bringing people from out of state in i think is the most important thing mm-hmm. eat the, eat. there's so much it's, it's, you know and then people want the homegrown stuff right yeah. so people are looking for it with airbnb couchsurfer.org or whatever it's called people want to start coming away from the 
from the big um, chain hotels, and I'm not knocking them. I'm a Marriott girl. My husband is a Hilton guy. I love the platinum level, but I also appreciate a good B&B where I can sit on the couch with someone and they tell me like all the good spots to go. I think it's critical for us as a uh, there has to be a balance community to have that balance because mm -hmm. as we're promoting all of these other things that we have here, we're gonna get a big diversity of people coming. Mm -hmm. And like for example. You know, we, we're similar in the types of traveling that we like to do. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I'd want to come to Orlando after I'd done all the parks. <laughs> no. You know? Like, if you that's all know I know. You wouldn't know that there is another Orlando. But if I knew that there was another Orlando, I'd say, oh, wow, I haven't been to Disney in a few years. It'd be fun to go back. Mm -hmm. And it'd be fun to explore all of this thing. But I'm not going to go stay on iDrive. Right. I well, want another immersive experience. One of our friends who came for the wedding, what, when we took him to Red Light, Red Light, and when we took him to Pig Floyd's, he's like, oh my gosh, people live out here? I didn't know there was regular life. And it's like, come on, these are like the coolest places to be. <laughs> and he's and he had no idea because him and his friend had never gone past uh, International right. Drive exit, what is it, 67? Right. Yeah. <laughs> So it's 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 crucial to um, to so the balance and the options yeah. is going to be huge with um, with the balance. I mean, with the the accommodations. There there is a Greek or Roman guy. I can't even remember his name starts with an X, and he is the one accredited for um, starting the tourism industry as we know it. Huh. Yeah. Um, God, I wish I remembered this um, information. Is he still alive? No. We're talking like uh, Roman Empire Oh, times. oh, I yeah. thought you were talking about here. No, 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 no. Greek, back in the day, before back in the day even existed, <laughs> this man um, saw his city was crumbling. The economic um, and financial systems in his city were going down so what he started doing was going to the outlying villages and saying come to my town and and stay with me i'll show you all these beautiful things and he did he he was um kind of like the father of tourism in the sense of welcoming foreigners hmm. bringing strangers as friends as brothers and then letting them go back home cool so that he can um, um, ha at give us a, a boost to his economy, and then bring his city back up to what it was once before. And I forget his name. It's like X E N O Z Zeno something. Cool. And really, it's so. My point being is that we have to um, make sure that the other Orlando experiences that as well, not just the parks area and anything on that side of town but bringing it a little bit further this way mm -hmm. more and more and just being like that down-to-earth humble side of orlando that people often miss and 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 don't even know exists yeah so true all right so going back to you uh <laughs> i wanted to reel that back in um the what are some of the things that got you to where you are today or like what you know why are you where you are yeah i i can't i can't sit still for too long <clears throat> um i'm always looking for what's coming next what's coming down the road 
and I, I think I'm just a product of the millennial environment. You know, I, I don't really consider myself a millennial. But we are. But we are. And, and, it's, and it's that whole idea that um, I want to stay on my toes. I want to stay engaged. I want to learn new things. And the only way that I can better myself and be a good business owner one day is by having experienced different kinds of environments, different kinds of jobs and community um, initiatives. So I left, left Marriott, I went to Devereaux. Loved Devereaux, but went back to Marriott and then came to the fairgrounds and now looking, looking on to what is coming in 2016, whether it's staying at the fairgrounds and working with the awesome amphitheater or um, maybe moving on to the next chapter of my life. I don't know, but I'm excited for what's coming. That's the exciting part. Yeah. Um, what are some of the uh, like? What, what are some of the tips that you could give to someone that is trying to either start their career or change their career? In like what you just said, as far yeah. as being flexible and looking for other opportunities, what what kind of insight would you have? I would say that. Uh, going back to what we said earlier, having a mentor <clears throat> outside of the industry that you're in is really, really important for good perspective. Um, I don't have a former, a formal mentor, but I have folks that I've worked with in the past and that I work with now that I, I trust enough to ask those kinds of questions. Um, always seeking feedback is super important. Because you learn what you're doing right and what you can improve on. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there's no valuable training that you can get out of looking for the feedback. And, and something that I have to work on, I'm still not perfect with, is, is developing that thick skin. Because you are going to have people criticize you and it's not always going to be nice. Mm-hmm. And if you're seeking a contract or, or a sponsorship or um, ticket sales or anything like that and someone tells you no to not take that so to heart and let it discourage you right. from from moving optimistically onto the next project mm-hmm. um so and and i'm like i said before i'm an eternal optimist so i look at the world through rose-colored glasses because i choose to not because that's the only thing that i know mm-hmm. um so just you know you 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 reap what you sow you get back what you put out that whole idea of you know, be optimistic and good things are going to happen because you're open to it. And that's the other thing is just stay open. Stay, oh, stay, stay open. open, look for feedback, have a mentor, and just be optimistic. Yeah. I always try to instill that to everyone that I speak with. It's just... Build relationships. Build the relationships <clears throat> and keep your opportunities open because mm-hmm. you never know. Uh, you know, we get... A lot of people get complacent with mm-hmm. what they're doing. Or what they're involved in, um, which even complacency is an interesting topic because people, some people strive for that complacency yeah. or consistency yeah. if they have too much, you know, in flux. But I, I wanted that when I worked for Marriott, and I waited every Thursday for my schedule to be right. posted. I wanted some consistency. Right. So, so it's it's got to be a balance between <laughs> yeah. having you know that in your life. Yeah. And keeping yourself like you you have to be able to break out your shell ever so often and just say and just do like a check and say okay me looking onto my life is this what is 
what I want to be doing right now. Yeah, if you're not if you're not doing something different every day, if you're not challenging yourself at least once a day with something new, if you're not uncomfortable, then you need to make a move. Mm-hmm. You need to put yourself in uncomfortable situations so that you can learn. For sure. And 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 um, grow. So uh, I think we we talked a little bit about what's next for you, but from your personal goals. Uh, you hit a lot of goals in the last two years, uh, getting married, yeah, doing a half marathon. Yeah. The... You've been, been traveling a lot. Yeah. I... So it's good. I mean, do you, what, what's on the horizon for personal goals? Um, personally, I want to buy a house. It'd be nice. It'd be awesome. I want to, um, I want to grow cilantro this year. <laughs> I really do. I spent with you know. I, I I want to um experience growing something. I want better to do that with than something you're actually gonna use rather than like an orchid. So I wanna I wanna grow herbs. Um, I, in terms of travel, I don't know what's on the horizon for. I'm, I've got the cruise fever right now because I just came from one. But um, I want to see uh Japanese temples. Mm-hmm. I want to go to the Great Wall of China. I want to go to Cuba. So those require a plane flight. God, don't. <laughs> you can't take a boat to Japan. I feel like there is a cruise you to could. Japan. <laughs> I might have to call out of work. Might take four days, six days to get there. No, I think six days just to the middle of the Atlantic. Right, so. that's true. Yeah. Um, no, so... Everyone who knows me intimately knows that I hate planes. <laughs> I am convinced I will die in a plane crash, even though I never do. <laughs> I'm Clearly. still here. Um, it's something that I have to overcome because I want to see these places. So I'll get on a plane. It better not be on a plane to Newark, New Jersey. I will be pissed. <laughs> right. But if it's it's got to be well worth it. I know. If it's a plane to, to Japan, if it's a, a flight to... To Hong Kong, I'll do it. Well, let's let's pl- let's figure that out. That'd be fun. Michelle has no desire to go to Asia. Well, and it really can, bothers me. What we can do is an extended trip where we fly to Tokyo, stay there for a few days, and then get on a plane to Manila. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would love to go. I've or both. I've always wanted to go. That yeah, or both. I, I have asked her, and she just has no interest in going to Asia. She's like, I don't want to... The culture, the food... She'll go if we peer pressure. Oh, yeah. I mean, She'll bend like a daisy in the wind. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I, I do. I really want her to see that, just because it's, it's just so different. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And and if I, if I have to add a third place to it, uh, I take back Cuba. I'll wait a little bit till they get a Marriott. Um, I'll I'll say Ireland. I want to go to one of the castles there. I want to see a fairy. A fairy. I, I got to see if they exist or not. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. I, I gotta I gotta come o- overcome that mm-hmm. fear of flying. That's definitely personal goal number one. Mm-hmm. And grow cilantro. Um. One of the things I wanted to ask you too was. Uh, I think it's inspiring and it's been really interesting to see how Nick, your husband, now husband, is, uh, became vegetarian out of nowhere. 
I mean, I mean, we've been best friends for nine years and never alluded to anything like that. And I know his parents have been going off the deep end on the food yeah, they, they consume. Uh, but it was interesting. It kind of caught me off guard when he decided to do that. What's catching me more off guard is your mental transition. Yeah. Because, uh, and I have to ask you about that, just because you were not supportive of it at first. But now, what, three months in? No, he's been doing it for almost half a year now. That's true. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, like, once you started being acceptable, I don't even count the first three months Uh, for you because you were just, like, turning your head the other way. Yes, I was. (laughs) And frying pork chops. Right. Um, it, it happened for me by accident because I would make dinner and it would be vegetarian and then I would have leftovers for lunch and it would be vegetarian and then I would go home that night and make dinner and then it was just this cycle of all of a sudden I'd go six or seven days without eating meat and not even realize it. So I think when it became hard for me was when I made the conscious decision. Right. Um, and I, I kind of made the conscious decision about a month before the wedding, right? Cause I wanted to fit into my dress <laughs> and I realized I had lost a few pounds not eating meat. So I was really excited about that. Um, then when we got on the cruise, my vegetarianism lasted about six hours. Right. Of course. So since, uh, since then I've gone off the deep end and, um, I'm trying to reel it back in little by little. And I think what's most, uh important for you to keep in mind is that it's not being vegetarian or vegan that's the the key it's just the smart and healthy eating and being conscious of what you eat which is what i said earlier at breakfast i was like you somebody was it you or michelle said Mm -hmm. are you vegetarian again and i was like no i'm just making a conscious effort to pay attention to what i eat because sometimes you'll go through the day and stuff things in your mouth when you're hungry or bored and Half the time, you're just thirsty and need to drink water. Right. I don't know if you knew that. Yep. 40% of the time, actually. Yeah, you're, 40% of the time, people, you like are the... not hungry. You are thirsty. <laughs> just drink water and brush your teeth. I always have this giant <laughs> thermos with me because that's a huge problem for me. I'm really thirsty all the time. I'm, well... And, and I immediately... Before, I always used to just grab, like, some pretzels or something mm-hmm. just to... It's just the salt, which makes it worse. And, and chewing gum doesn't help. No. Um, so yeah, I, I, I am going to use a buzzword and call myself a flexitarian. Yeah. Flexitarian is great. And I think one of the main things that I, I, uh, tell a lot of people that ask me about how I, I eat what I eat is, uh, you know, the, the, the point is not to stop eating or, um, drastically change your diet. It's just three simple rules. Eat food mostly plants mm-hmm. and not too much mm-hmm. so it's kind of hitting on the main things that are the issues in our food systems as far as access to real healthy food and whole foods yeah um the meat-centric diets that we have super meat heavy especially being Hispanic. and then the overconsumption mm-hmm. of the food and portion control Portion control, I think, is the biggest thing that people forget. That's the biggest thing for me, still. (laughs) I know. I've witnessed. Well, Nick and I both. Oh, God. (laughs) We're like cows. He had two (laughs) plates of pasta yesterday. (laughs) Pasta. Oh, jeez. It had veggies in it, but still. sick. (laughs) I know. So, I I think, um, what I was going to say is that everything in moderation, even moderation. Right. So, it's... Um, 
So two things, three things have helped me. My now husband um, learning about horticulture at the fair, actually. And <laughs> believe it or not, I've learned a lot about food working at the fairgrounds. Everything from the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. So, And then my braces. Oh yeah, that's true. My braces make it really hard to eat a lot of those foods that I that right. I consider my kryptonite. <laughs> right. you've, you've heard me say before, ribs. <laughs> forget it. You lose me for fifty minutes. I'm just <laughs> I put a bib on and I'm gonna go to town on some good ribs. Um and and like anything that is too crunchy or too hard to break through, mm-hmm. I can't eat it. So I just don't. When I get my braces tightened, I can't even eat a leaf of spinach. <laughs> so it it all of those things kind of compound on one another. Plus everyone else is doing it. So you kind of like just go with the flow sometimes. <laughs> when you go out to dinner and everyone wants to go to a vegan restaurant except you... <laughs> What are you going to say with the braces who can't even eat the meat you want to eat? You just right. go with the flow and have broth. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so it's all it's it it so don't credit me with too much when it comes to my no, vegetarianism because a lot of it it's is so just cr- external factors. What you're doing is uh, inspiring just because you have been open to trying something mm-hmm. or just Actually, I shouldn't even give you that much credit. I would say that <laughs> you've uh, you've came upon it by accident, yeah, and by default, almost by default, but ended up liking it, right? Or not noticing a difference, and right. I think that's the biggest thing yeah. is not noticing a difference. Yeah, and I think if everyone can just happen upon a healthier eating habit, then then for, it wouldn't even be a topic of discussion. For me, what's weird is that I didn't become a foodie until after I stopped eating meat. Well, that makes sense because you're paying attention to where the food is coming from, how it's grown, and how it's getting to be in front of you. Right. And it's not like I don't appreciate uh, the the culinary wonders of mm. cooking with meat and, you know... Of smoking different, some meat. You know, di- I, I appreciate that for <laughs> sure. Um, because it's amazing. Yes. Um, and it's it's like the ingredients are amazing, the combinations, and sometimes I wish that I like could... Like a freshly salted whole pig <laughs> right. over a very unsanitary grill. <laughs> oh my God. Take anyway. me there. Take me there. But I appreciate that. And I don't think a lot of the... I think there's this new, like you said, this new movement of people that um, were consciously making better decisions. Mm-hmm. And uh, not really focused on the social, environmental the piece of it, or the, yeah. the 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 stigma that vegetarians and vegans have, yeah. which is good and it's totally necessary. And uh, some people, I mean, you're you're gonna get some people that that hate you for eating meat, being flexitarian. It's like, uh, how do you yeah. do that? Like well, you you're either you're either this or not. It doesn't have to be a black and white. It's it no, can be gray. I like gray. It's great. <laughs> anyway, um, last thing for you. Uh, what is your definition of change? Being uncomfortable and being okay with it. Because if, if you're... So change, change can be what you want it to be. It's all about perspective. If someone is not easy with change... Change could be something as simple as trying to change your opinion of change or your anxiety associated with it. And, and it has to be um, 
so it it has to be something that that you have no choice but to be okay with it because change will happen so do your best to embrace it with grace mm-hmm. i think change change is all about being graceful under fire and accepting and coming to terms with and and then just moving on cuz every it, everything's going to going to change for one person at one point mm-hmm. you know so it, it, yeah. I have a strong belief that Grace if we under all... fire? Is that change? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. I have a strong belief that if we could all embrace, learn to embrace change a little bit better, um, we could really see some huge changes culturally. Change would be easier if it happened by accident. There you go. That's a good one. Do you know what I mean? Like, like the vegetarianism I happened to... Yeah, that's a great example. Yeah, it, 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 so... But what happened for me by accident was the fair, and it has been the the best experience I've had professionally. What happened for me by accident was Nick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wasn't looking for that. Um, what happened for me by accident, you know, it, it's just I can continue the list of things that just happened upon my life, and and when when the. When you don't notice the change, and yet you're um, attributing positive feelings towards it, that's when I think it it becomes just a wonderful life changing experience. And um, and if you see the change coming and you're nervous about the change, make sure that you hold tight to your support system, whatever it may be, so mm-hmm. that you have the ability to get through it. Right. And if change happens and you don't see it coming, that's probably going to be the best learning experience you'll ever have in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a nice place to uh, to end it. Okay. Well, I mean, I really want to <laughs> uh, congratulate you on your new marriage. Thank you. Publicly. Thank you. And <laughs> uh, also, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I'm so glad I'm so glad we were able to do it early on and I wish we would have done it sooner but you were off getting married well, you and know, busy a little busy you were supposed to be my guinea pig oh, man. <laughs> well thank you again for everything that you do thank on a daily you. basis and thanks again for coming thank you and I'm excited I am too anything else closing thoughts um, just put those rose-colored sunglasses on people It's good good for you. Rose-colored sunglasses. Yeah, on purpose. I like that. All right, bravo, Fran. Again, I wanted to acknowledge Fran and thank her again for joining me on the podcast. Uh, She's awesome, so get to know her. You can follow her on Facebook, on Instagram. Her Instagram tag is underscore Fran Rivera, and she is always posting some uh, fun and interesting adventures that she has. Again, f- uh, also check out the centralfloridafair.com and you'll be surprised at some of the events that they have coming up. Some of them might interest you. And you can also take a look at their foundation and all of their foundation type work that they do in the community and the impact that they have. Speaking of impact, please check out our website, 
choosechangepodcast.com where you can find all of the awesome interviews that we've done so far and we will keep these interviews coming as long as you keep sharing and making a difference and one last thing if you enjoyed today's music in the show check out jacobjeffries.com i wanted to acknowledge him and boom boom 88 music and thank them for letting us use uh, jacob's music so uh, check them out and enjoy <laughs>